On the third morning after the young man's departure, Lady Constantine opened the postbag anxiously. Though she had risen before four o'clock and crossed to the tower through the grey half-light, when every blade and twig were furred with rhyme, she felt no languor. Expectation could banish at cockcrow the eye-heaviness which apathy had been unable to disperse all the day long. There was, as she had hoped, a letter from Swithin St. Cleeve. Dear Lady Constantine, I have quite succeeded in my mission and shall return tomorrow at 10 p.m. I hope you have not failed in the observations. Watching the star through an opera glass Sunday night, I fancied some change had taken place, but I could not make myself sure. Your memoranda for that night I await with impatience. Please don't neglect to write down at the moment all remarkable appearances both as to colour and intensity, and be very exact as to time, which correct in the way I showed you. I am, dear Lady Constantine, yours most faithfully, Swithin St. Cleeve. Not another word in the letter about his errand. His mind ran on nothing but this astronomical subject. He had succeeded in his mission, and yet he did not even say yes or no to the great question, whether or not her husband was masquerading in London at the address she had given. Was there ever anything so provoking, she cried. However, the time was not long to wait. His way homeward would lie within a stone's throw of the manor house, and though for certain reasons she had forbidden him to call at the late hour of his arrival, she could easily intercept him in the avenue. At twenty minutes past ten she went out into the drive and stood in the dark. Seven minutes later she heard his footstep and saw his outline in the slit of light between the avenue trees. He had a valise in one hand, a greatcoat on his arm, and under his arm a parcel which seemed to be very precious from the manner in which he held it. "'Lady Constantine?' he asked softly. "'Yes,' she said, in her excitement holding out both her hands, though he had plainly not expected her to offer one. "'Did you watch the star?' "'I'll tell you everything in detail, but pray, your errand first. "'Yes, it's all right.' Did you watch every night, not missing one? I forgot to go. Twice, she murmured contritely. Oh, Lady Constantine, he cried in dismay. How could you serve me so? What shall I do? Please forgive me. Indeed, I could not help it. I had watched and watched, and nothing happened. And somehow my vigilance relaxed when I found nothing was likely to take place in the star— but the very circumstance of it not having happened made it all the more likely every day. Have you seen? she began imploringly. Swithin sighed, lowered his thoughts to sublunary things, and told briefly the story of his journey. Sir Blount Constantine was not in London at the address which had been anonymously sent her. It was a mistake of identity. The person who had been seen there, Swithin had sought out. He resembled Sir Blount strongly, but he was a stranger. "'How can I reward you?' she exclaimed when he had done. "'In no way but by giving me your good wishes in what I am going to tell you on my own account.' He spoke in tones of mysterious exultation. "'This parcel is going to make my fame.' "'What is it?' "'A huge object glass for the great telescope I'm so busy about.' Such a magnificent aid to science has never entered this county before, you may depend. 
He produced from under his arm the carefully cuddled-up package which was in shape a round flat disc, like a dinner plate, tied in paper. Proceeding to explain his plans to her more fully, he walked with her towards the door by which she had emerged. It was a little side wicket through a wall dividing the open park from the garden terraces. Here, for a moment, he placed his valise and parcel on the coping of the stone balustrade till he had bidden her farewell. Then he turned.